fucking believable. He was obviously able to handle it. You know what I mean, you fucked it. No, I didn't. Never? No. You're not into her, are you? No, God, not at all. I am Jack's raging bile duct. Are you sure? You can tell me. Believe me, I'm sure. Put a gun to my head and paint the walls with my brains. Well, that's good, because she's a predator posing as a house pet. Stay away from that one. <laughs> and the shit that came out of this woman's mouth, I never heard. My God. I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Advised, these apes are not emotional support animals, and they fling verbal poo. Listen with caution. I started thinking about Fight Club and Matrix, and part of me realized that they're the same story. Th- I, th- it, thematically, yeah. No, I mean, they are the same exact story. Okay, follow me. Okay. Follow me. Okay. All right. So um, what you have is, in the game that you play is, okay, Sebastian, because that's the name of uh, Edward Norton in Fight Club. His name is Sebastian. Right. Okay. Not everybody knows that. Everybody thinks it's Jack, but it's not Jack. It's Sebastian. Yeah, um, Jack's dull toys or whatever the hell that. That's yeah, just yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's his poetry thing, in, in his they internal monologue. They never say it in the movie. Right. They, ne- they never say it in the movie. And in fact, it's never said in the book. But you find that out in the in the post credits or in the credits. Novel, right? No, in the graphic. <laughs> no, in the graphic novel. Yeah, he's just known as the narrator in the film. Right. In the graphic novel. Uh, follow-up Fight Club 2 that Polinick did. Uh-huh. There's a whole like graphic. It's a whole comic book series that's Fight Club 2. Huh. And it's and it's like 20 years or yeah, I think it's like 20 years after. So it's now. And yeah, and it, and Sebastian is dealing with the fact that Tyler Durden is still with him, and he's married to Marla and all this, and he's got a kid and all. This. It's it's. Are they still having sex with the dishwashing glove? No, because no, no, that no, and is the fact, greatest fucking of, scene in well, cinematic it, history. It's brilliant, <laughs> but it's part. Of, that's part of the the fun of the graphic novel is that he has blocked Tyler out as far as he can, but Marla misses Tyler. Sure, Tyler. Would, yeah, you know. So it's, I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So I would say Sebastian is Neo when he's outside of the Matrix. He's living a mm-hmm. ordinary yeah, okay. life. You know, he's not he's not particularly special. When he's in when like he's in Zion, when he's outside of the Matrix, yeah. Neo is just a fucking dude. Yeah. You know, he just that's what he is. He doesn't have all these superpowers. He's not super badass. He doesn't wear the sunglasses and the fucking black leather. He's just a guy in a fucking sweatpants, right? Okay. Right. But that means Tyler Durden and Neo in the Matrix are the same. And the big difference between the two stories is that Neo has Morpheus explain it to him and nobody bothers to explain it to Sebastian until he fucking discovers it and goes, oh my fucking God. Right. You know? Right. But if you think about it, think about what it, 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 it they're both, both of them are based on Plato's cave. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know the, you know the, the allegory of, the, of Plato's cave? 
I, I, no, to just all right, enlighten all right. us. So, Basically, it's he's it, Plato is he has Socrates, Socrates, um, sure, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, describe a group of people yeah. who've lived lived their whole lives chained to a wall of a cave, facing a blank wall in the cave, uh. and the people watch shadows projected on the wall from the objects passing in front of a fire behind them, and so they see these shadows, and this is the only world they know, so they give the shadows names, the shadows. Are the prisoner's reality? That's that's it. Sure. Uh, Socrates explains how the philosopher is like a prisoner who is freed from the cave and comes to understand that the shadows on the wall are not reality at all. For he, the philosopher, can perceive the true form of reality rather than the manufactured reality that is the shadows seen by the prisoners. Now, the inmates of this place do not even desire to leave their prison because they don't know there's more. They don't know there's an outside reality. They think these shadows on the wall chained to the fucking ground, staring at these things. That's it. That's the best they've got. Yeah. So they don't they don't want to leave because they don't know there's anything better. They managed to break their bonds one day and discover that the reality was not what they thought it was. They discovered the sun, which Plato uses as an analogy for the fire that man cannot see behind. Like the fire that casts light on the walls of the cave, the human condition is forever bound to the impressions that are received through the senses. That's the allegory of Plato's cave, and that is exactly the storyline that Fight Club and The Matrix are based on, is that the reality you're living is not real in you know go to fight club yeah. fight club is much more uh it's much more grounded in reality right. in that it's your your life is created by consumerism and ikea and it's all about buying shit and you know single serving friends and all you know all this vapid materialism and consumerism that is what tyler durden is there to destroy yeah and his goal uh, and I don't know if it's stated in the movie. It's definitely stated in the book. But his goal is to basically destroy everything that modern civilization has created and have everybody go back to, like, space monkeys where they're just <laughs> running around, like, shooting shooting bison next to the, the Roosevelt, you know, the Rockefeller Center, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's the kind of thing. All right, Neo is in this cave he's in this reality this reality that is totally fictional it's totally made up and he's brought out of it and told if you see this then you know it has to be destroyed and so as neo the one that at the end of the movie flies his job then is to do exactly what tyler durden was doing but because it's the matrix and they're all machines it seems less filled with blood but let's be honest tyler durden Shot up. I mean, he punched a lot of people out. Right. It was very this very very masculine, sweaty bullshit. Right. He was fucking gorgeous. Yeah, he was gorgeous. Yeah. So was Neo. But Neo used fucking automatic weapons like a fucking artist. If you remember yeah. the, the bank scene when they're yes. and they're yeah. just uh, Jesus Christ. So I think it's very interesting that Fight Club gets such a bad rap from feminists and progressives, but Matrix doesn't. And I think it's all because the Wachowskis decided that they were going to take this allegory and make it that that the, the shadows on the cave were not human. So when Neo got in there and got his superpowers, he could just fucking kill all of them. And it was not like really killing people. But seeing Tyler Durden, you know, as uh, Sebastian, Ed Norton, beat the shit out of Jared Leto and, you know, like say, I want to, I want to, Destroy, something, destroy beautiful. something beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's way more visceral. Yeah. 
you know? And I think and, that uh, the Fight Club yeah. is a better... And we'll, we'll just talk about the movies, because there's yeah. no Matrix talk book. Talk about the movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight Club is a much better movie, in my opinion, for a gazillion different reasons. Um, it's, it is it is more visceral. It is grittier. I, I was able to relate to it more. Well, it's uh, I felt I felt the rage. I felt and yeah. Matrix. Frankly, I did not like the Matrix. Oh, I love the Matrix. I didn't like the follow-ups. The but follow-ups, I really liked follow-ups the Matrix. are absolute pieces of shit. But the Matrix, I thought the Matrix itself was, and I still do. I could still watch the Matrix. I think it's a brilliant film. There's a couple uh, things why I think it's brilliant. Is number one. Made in 1999, but they knew that it would be timeless because they set the world of the Matrix in 1999. So it made it timeless while attaching it to a time nonetheless, you know, which I think is fascinating. I think the Matrix is a brilliant movie. I agree with you. I think Fight Club is a far superior movie. Uh, David Fincher is one of the greatest directors I've ever. I mean, I just think he's one of the best directors you could imagine. Here's what I know. Fight Club. And they were both predictive. I think this is why they're touchstones. I think this is why they've lasted as long as they have. Why? I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but because they're well, great movies. Well, the, but. the Matrix had so much magic to it. It had all this cartoony stuff. You know, the, the I mean, the visual effects, like bullet time, right yeah, on, bullet right? time, but, and all that stuff. Yeah, like that. That shit was that alone. I mean, the the, the effects alone make the Matrix a touch point in yeah. in our culture. And I, I, I give them credit for that. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sorry. Okay, so you, so you were saying, oh. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right, sorry. so Fight Club. Yeah. Okay, you can, you can, and, and I think, I think this is reasonable. Fight Club effectively predicted. Uh, I mean, on some level, it it effectively predicted uh, 9/11. I think, you know, I think it, it effectively like destroying... predicted 2000, the crash of 2008. Yeah, well, you know exactly. You know, like that was but, it was an it, allegory but, or a, even more, symbolism. Foreshadowing, yeah, more I guess, largely, really. more largely cultural. It predicted uh, the rise of alt right culture and sort of these white disaffected kids. You know that are that are you know it it predicted alt fact culture. Mm. You know, and mm. and it and it and it really predicted the rise in domestic terrorism. Okay, well the Matrix, that I'll give you. Yeah, the Matrix in its own way predicted the rise of social media. Yeah, the rise of groups like Anonymous. Uh huh. And the rise of digital hackers influencing the non-digital world. Yeah. So in some ways, yeah. they were very prescient in that both these films. It, it, I, I would also, I, you know, it's sort of like going back to. Uh, Orwell's 1984 and Huxley's A Brave New World mm-hmm. that A Brave New World predicted Soma and our, our addiction to television and our, our our complacency and not wanting to break out and sort of creating a prison of comfort, which we live in. Um, Orwell's 1984 predicted doublespeak and complete uh, distortion of facts and non-ending war. Those two books effectively predicted where we were going to be i think fight club and the matrix perhaps not as 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 important as either of those books but as films effectively predicted places where we're at right now i agree with everything you said about the matrix i agree with the the third point on fight club but i i'm not sure that i understand where the how fight club predicted the rise of the alt-right and what was what was the other one? An uh, alt, alt factual. Alt, alt facts. Fact okay, culture. so ex- explain yeah. that to me. How? How? Okay. Where the alt right is? Well, yeah, I mean, yes. The alt, all, all Fight right. Club had all these white 
men. Yeah. Disaffected well, white is, men. This thing is okay. Up until this is the thing I think is fascinating, and it's it's why I think we've we've we're really approaching the alt right in a completely wrong headed approach. Okay. Watched Fight Club before Project Mayhem, before they start getting recruits. Every word that comes out of Tyler Durden's mouth is absolutely the truth. Okay. There is nothing he says about consumerism, about the disaffected males, about a whole generation of, of you know, that you're living your life one minute at a time. Nothing he says is, is, is disputable. But when they hit the Project Mayhem, and and they you know they out of the fight clubs, out of them beating the shit out of each other in a basement, um, when they get to that point and he starts to gain a certain amount of power, Project Mayhem is a cult, you know, and they don't even know most of those guys in their suits. They don't even really know what it is they're doing there. They're just following. The Tyler They're Durden. following yeah. Tyler Durden's yeah. orders mm-hmm. because he is Mr. Durden, yeah. you know, and and that's the thing is and and in that way it predicts this alt right culture that has come around because mm-hmm. the alt right culture is basically a bunch of white guys saying I'm not as important as I thought I was I don't have my American dream this is all bullshit and so. We're going to start in basements and on Stormfront, and eventually we're going to come out into the open. One of my favorite things that this, this, nothing makes me think more alt right than this is when Durden gives Project Mayhem, gives them all the, the task to go out and try to start a, start fight, a fight. Yeah. And get their ass kicked. Uh-huh. And you look at all these, these fucking, you know, like Charlottesville, these guys are trying to start fights. That's why they show up. Nobody shows up with torches from fucking, you know, Pottery Barn and, and like, you know, and protests against the statue yeah. without wanting to start a fight because they don't care about the statue. They care about. And so I think it really did kind of predict the alt right. And but that's the thing is, I don't think a lot of people will say that it, it is an alt right movie, which it is totally not. It's, was, it's OK. Totally so like, that's not. that's the important thing is that those those guys in the fight club. Sebastian, yeah, Tyler yeah. Durden, you know, uh, Robert Paulson. Uh, yeah. they, they were anarchists. They were anarchists, they and they, they weren't. But they weren't. They were not alt rightists because I don't even think that no. alt rightists want anarchy as much as no, they no, want. That's the thing is the overthrow the government that they th- think is against it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So Fight Club is one of your favorite movies of all time. Ghostbusters Two is mine. Always in my top two. Every now, <laughs> okay. It's, what but the I fuck? no. But I do. And, that, and Ghostbusters Two did predict uh, the f- so many rise things. of Trump. Yeah, the rise of Trump. Yeah, wasn't that guy that orange guy in the painting? Wasn't that Ghostbusters Two? Yeah. He was the guy standing there. And he yeah, was orange. V- Vigo, and ugly. Yeah, Vigo that's the Vigo. destroyer that's, or whatever. No, that's, Vigo that's the Donald, that's Donald Trump. It did. Yeah, it whatever the hell Donald okay. Trump. So, but anyway, you know, there's the whole. Vigo had a reality TV show. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the whole the whole point. Ghostbusters Two is a fine movie. Whatever. It's a piece of shit. But it's also I I was the right age. It worked for me. Fine. Fuck sure. it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, quick side note to that: the baby, you know, Dana Barrett's baby, Oscar. Yeah. Was played yeah. by twins, which is common when babies are in films and TV shows. One of them. One of those twins grew up, fucking killed himself like a few years ago. Fucking okay. take that. Is that not, no, it didn't blow your mind? Well, blue heads. No, it doesn't okay. blow my mind. 
All right. Uh, that fucked with me for like a day when I found that. I was like, oh my God, half of Oscar's dead? See, see, that doesn't fuck poor with me. Baby. What fucks with me is the kid that got his tongue stuck on the fucking pole in a Christmas story became a porn star. That fucked me up. Well, duh. I, that's what I'm saying. Because that like fucking a twin, like, you know. A twin killing himself when he was a baby? No, this is a kid that we was We didn't in kill a himself Christmas when story. he was a baby. He grew up and killed I know, himself. But whatever. I'm just saying. Anyway, that all right. Doesn't, so, all right. Anyway, go so ahead. The point is, like, yes, you know, that was go, a deviation. Go, Ghostbusters 2, there's that slime underneath the city, right? And it's yep. like stewing until the city gets mad enough in New York enough where the slime is like evil, anger, right, rage, uh, and it bubbles o- it bubbles over, right? Like that's the whole point mm-hmm. of the uh, that's the the plot of the film. So I think that the alt right had been stewing like the slime underneath New York and Ghostbusters 2 for a very long time and it took Oh yeah, they were just waiting we for got the close. black people to start talking. I was just going to say so we all yeah. all it took was a black president for them to go nope, fuck it. Yeah, a black like president, and then Black Lives Matter, and it all went and 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 then a woman's going to run for president. Actually, Fuck actually, you. we're going to back yeah. we're going to back it up. I think maybe all right, some of the, at least the xenophobic aspects of it started probably happened two thousand one. Mm. You know, or certainly with, picked with up steam. Because xenophobia is like that's in that's yeah, in the American DNA. I mean, come on, that it, yeah, that's just a part of who we are. Which is so funny, given that we're a fucking nation of immigrants. But whatever, we're a nation of assholes. Um, Yes, we are a nation of assholes. We're not a nation of immigrants. Um, we're a nation of fucking conquerors. But I, but going back to Fight Club and Matrix, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I just am so. I mean, I, that's the thing is, I got to watch them again. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, watch. Uh, I'm gonna watch Matrix again. I mean, yeah, because I, it's a good movie. I wonder because it's. I have not watched it in a. I mean, pushing twenty years probably because I just okay, I then did you not watch enjoy it. Again. Like yeah. I fell asleep during the. It's just like there's so many like obvious things. It's like. Oh, here's the magic Negro, you know, which is like. Uh, oh, see, I don't see Morpheus as the magic Negro at all. No, not Morpheus, oh. the woman in the kitchen. Oh, I don't think she's who, a like, magic breaks Negro. it down. I just think oh, she is she's, totally the. She's magic the Negro. oracle. No, she's the oracle. And what is an oracle? Well, it's not a magic Negro. It's kind of magic, though, it's right? A sooth- it's a no. It's a soothsayer, and what she actually is is a program. Yeah, it sounds it. It's a it's a black. Woman. All right, you can look at it that it's, way. Come on, come right. on. I don't. I never saw it's it just, that way. The Matrix was a little too on the nose for me. I think that was okay. that was part of it. All uh, right, that's fair. The other thing that is, I go back and watch. And it, I, have, I will. And and I haven't been fucked like that since third grade. Is not on the nose. That line is just brilliant, dude. <laughs> come on. Yeah, no, come that's on. not the line that's in the book. What's the line in the book? I can't remember, okay. but yeah. uh, but they had to venture. They actually had to rewrite the line because the line she says they couldn't say. So the book is they were like, is more over the top. Oh yeah, okay. Are you kidding me, Chuck? He didn't fuck around, man. Because I'm telling you, that line and just that scene where Brad Pitt opens the door and he's wearing the fucking dishwashing glove, and yeah. Helena Bonham Carter just like falls off the bed in the falls background. Off the bed. And Brad Pitt's all fucking cut and gorgeous and perfect specimen. You're just like that. Like, I kind of want like in when I'm dead, when I go, I want that that scene, that moment, that those like 87 frames, whatever it is. I want that to define my life. I probably passed that happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've way past that, man. But 
if there Brad was, Pitt's been fucking working on that fucking that that fucking chiseled body since he was ten. But so. man, if there was a moment in my life where I was like, you know, my the David Himmel yeah. version of that Brad Pitt hot, yeah. If I just th- that would be that's fucking that's Nirvana to me. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, yeah. then I right, made go. it. So, so that's the thing. The thing yeah. about it is, I was never I I I, I was never all that. The whole fight club, the whole fighting thing, I liked the metaphor. I know. I just want to go back to this uh, yeah. and talk about something else. Is I, I I understand why a lot of people that are not as familiar with either the book or the movie or really have a, a, a dull, lifeless intellect um, <laughs> see this as a movie that is about alt right people. That, yeah. That's what they see it as, or that they, they see it as hyper masculine, just fighting people. Ugh, well, that's the thing man. is. Ugh. Again, it is it is it is a commentary on that. It is a criticism of it. Right. It is a sarcastic, snotty wink at that entire thing. And if you're not watching the movie and connecting the dots between Sebastian um, going to all these self help things just so he can, you know, kind of get some sleep and Marla and all of this shit. If you don't see that all is connected, if all you see about Fight Club is a bunch of fucking cut dudes beating the shit out of each other and yeah. being, ugh, ugh, right. then you You're really not paying attention. didn't watch the fucking movie. Right. You didn't listen. And that's okay. It's not for everybody. Yeah. But I I will say it is not a movie about the alt-right, but I think it's a movie that predicted the alt-right. One of the things I read uh, to, not too long ago, uh, Polinick was being interviewed about a lot of his books have had influences to to groups that he does not agree with yeah. and does not like. Yeah. You know, and that he's not, you know, and then as he said, is I don't write these things like so that I can inspire these people. They're not reading them. I mean, that's basically what he said. He's like, right. they're really not reading them because that's not my point. Yeah. I'm kind of making fun of them, but they don't. They're smart enough to actually see that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, we're kind of stuck with that. So yeah. But I, 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 the thing about it is, I love, I love Fight Club. I love The Matrix. I'm glad they're 20 years old. It's nuts that they're 20 years so old. So just to to, to, to put a, a an end note on on this on this topic, just a really quick story. When I was working at Career Builder in 2008, summer 2008. Uh, the company, I don't remember what the fuck was going on, but the company had to get, like, everybody in the company had to get on this massive conference call. So we've all got, like, our headphone, you know, mouth phone pieces on, and everybody dials in, and there's this weird echo happening. And right. somebody chimes in, it's like, okay, we're just, you know, somebody from IT, like, oh, we're trying to fix that, just hang tight, everybody. And everything's echoing, and people are starting to snicker. And this, at the time, was, a, you know, a company the size, I mean, I don't know how big, it was several thousand people working for this company. And I go, uh, so there's this weird echo, and I go, his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> so the echo then is, his name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert. And it was like a four echo echo. That's outstanding. And and then other people, like people started laughing, but other people started saying his name. <laughs> so it was just this fucking like echoing, like fucking chorus of his name was Robert Paulson. Like... <laughs> Like in Fight Club. And that is, see, that's one of those things. That was one of my prouder moments in life. And I think that's one of those things that should go into earning me the Brad Pitt, dishwashing glove, Marla falling off the bed moments in, All right, there you go. So, yeah. (laughs) The headline is, people who constantly complain 
are harmful to your health. And the the piece it's it's a it's a, it's sort of a like hey let's just, but there's a, a piece by Jessica Hullinger over at Fast Company, and she it, she basically talks about that uh, what is it, it says uh, she tries to go a month she, yeah like all of all of February without complaining without complaining yeah. um, and. This is the quote. I like this quote. When we complain, our brains release stress hormones that harm neural connections in areas used for problem solving and other cognitive functions. This is all. This also happens when we listen to someone else moan and groan. And uh, I think it's really interesting because uh, there are two things I think is interesting is that when you are focused on complaint, when you're complaining a lot, when you're pissing and moaning a whole bunch, it affects your ability to problem solve. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. And the fact that if you're around a lot of people a lot that, that bitch and moan all the time, that that is actually not good for your health. No. No. So here, here's a quick question is how did you come across this story? Because it's four years old. Oh, it I was, didn't even realize. It was published oh, in 2015. Wow, but I, I asked that question not as a like, why are you reading old stories? Because stories could be evergreen. It's fine. That's the it's wonder of the internet is that we can find yes. old things that are still evergreen. Um, <laughs> but I'm just curious as to what were you searching for? I wasn't. What were you? It was just... It just popped up. Big Think is one of those things I follow on Facebook. Okay, and because I like, they generally have some interesting articles. Sure, I, I, it's, I you know, and, and if I'm gonna, the thing about it is, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get any kind of information from Facebook, it, you know, except for you know what brewery Joe Jane's is going to this week, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I would like to have something that at least is uh, interesting to read. And Big Think, and th- that just came up. That literally came up today. While I was at the gym. Interesting. Um, and it popped up on my phone and I went, oh, that's fucking crazy. Because, because I, you know, I, I've had to set some boundaries. You've been dealing with this. Yeah. So I wonder, your phone, set- your phone is listening, dude. Because it didn't just, put, there, there's no way yeah. that Big Think sponsored or pushed, you know, uh, uh, yeah. boosted a post for a story that was five, uh, four years old. Yeah. I, yeah, so I don't know I'm why telling you, thing's fucking listening. It's listening to my life. Yeah, yeah no, I guess, well, Facebook that was the thing. Listening. And you and I have talked about this before, but in the in the current living conditions, uh, um, I had to set some boundaries. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to tell everybody um, that I'm living with, including my wife, is like I'm done listening to anybody complain about anything. I yeah. don't want to hear any. I don't want to hear complaints about you're working too hard. I don't want to hear complaints about how cold it is or hot it is. I do not want because I I I spent like a month. And all I did was try to mitigate everybody's problems, and I went enough. Yeah, I can't. I, it's just starting to eat my fucking face off. Yeah, I mean, I can't that was, do it. There are actually, well, there are actually two things that were kind of going on at the same time. Number one, I didn't have a gym. I wasn't working out because I didn't have a gym and I had my equipment, but I really wasn't doing it. And working out is kind of how I find my zen place. Yeah, um, and so I wasn't working out, and I was having to mitigate all of these fucking complaints just constant and i finally said okay a i'm getting a fucking gym and b everybody shut the fuck up i can't listen to it anymore i cannot fucking listen to it any fucking more yeah and and i feel much better now i feel healthier and it's it's because i because i you sent me the link and i read the story and i'm like all right so what is complaining because i fucking 
hate people that complain. But I, I know that I also com- complain or I, I, I express my, my annoyances with things. And I don't want to be well, yeah. a complainer. because w- But then I was like, all right, so what is, what is the difference? And complaining, you know, put simply, is, oh, the weather, oh, it's fucking cold in Chicago. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Eat shit. We know. You know, it's hot in Las Vegas. Shut the, get, get the fuck out of here. But I, and I, I worry, because I said this to you the other day, we, we were talking, that I feel good that I'm not the worst or the most neurotic of the people in your life right now, that I'm not, you know, one of the worst. <laughs> because I've got my shit. Like, I, I complain. I've, I mean, shit, dude. I've, you know, I've, I've called you. I'm like, I just need to fucking vent for a second. You know, whatever and, it is. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that that's, the, that's not so much complaining as this is my reality and this is what I'm going through. I just need to have somebody hear it come out of my mouth. And it's, and it's what is the origin yeah. of the need for that? I think, at least for me... And this is probably not all the time, every time, because I'm human and therefore I'm, an, I'm a fucking weak asshole. <laughs> uh, but every time I, ha- I, have, I have a gripe about something, if I put it out there to you, or even if I keep it in- internal, I want to find a solution for betterment. Yeah. And that's well, the difference between complaining and griping for... Or venting in the search of something venting. better. Well, it, it, it's the thing about it is, and it's, and I've thought about this. I'm actually been working on pieces I can't quite get my knuckles on yet. Yeah. Um, but the conceptors, I mean, one of actually one of the uh, the titles of a piece that I've been working on is called. Well, one of them is called "Game of Moans," <laughs> making making excuses for our bad behavior. And the other one is called The Peril. I know. I just love that. I love my titles, man. Um, and, uh, That's so funny. It's just like the way you said it, too. It was like, huh? Huh? Game of Moans. Get yeah. it? And, it? and then the other one's called The Perils Winter's of Coming. Over- oh, boy. Yes. The Perils <laughs> of Oversharing Trauma as Performance. And it's one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is that um, I read, oh, God, I have to find it. Because it, it was just... It was. Uh, I put it up on. Well, while you're Twitter. looking that up, I'll tell you a quick story. So, yeah, yeah, tell when me I story. when I was in college, I, I was writing for the school paper. I was writing for the opinion section. I had a column, and my dad would, you know, I'd, I'd get a paper and I would send it home to my parents so they could read it, because this was even like right before they could find the sh- before the paper was online. Uh, and my dad would read my shit, and he would be like, "Why are you always complaining? All you do is complain. Your whole thing is so negative. Da 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 da. Negative, negative, negative. Complain, complain, complain." I go, "I'm not." complaining it's not negative like yeah i'm calling out things that i have issues with but i'm presenting the opportunities to like here's here's a problem let's solve for it or here is my solution to this problem that i have or something i see wrong with the world or the universe or whatever it was and i was like that is why and the name of my column was the way it should be like that's just it. <laughs> is it's not like here's what's wrong with society. It's here's how we can do better. And my dad was like, "Yeah, fuck you. That's that. You're full of shit. You know." But whatever. But like, no, yeah, that's, that's that was the dad, thing. You know? Is like there's this fine line between pissing and moaning and acknowledging what's wrong, and then providing opportunity to solve for it, or providing your own opportunity to solve for it. 
All right, this is this was, and I found this meme, and I've I've had some blowback for putting it up. It was just, I mean, just I again, it was one of the things I just happened on online. I read it and I went, "Wow, I'm living with somebody like just like this." <laughs> it's it says, "It just occurred to me that many people are actually afraid to heal because their entire identity yeah. is centered around the trauma they've experienced. They have no idea who they are outside of trauma, and that unknown can be terrifying." Which brings me back to Plato's cave. If the only shadows that you know in the real world are of your pain and of your experience and of your personal affliction of, you know, other people or physical pain or mental illness, if that is the sum total of all you can see on that wall and you've not and you're chained to it. You have no. There's no reason to unchain yourself and go out into the real world because that would mean you you couldn't identify yourself as this this person in pain. Right. You couldn't do that. See, you have to you have to embrace the complexity of all the things you are rather than this very narrow uh, definition of who you are. And a great example of that is we've we've talked about this in some degree before. Uh, you know, on on the Apecast and you know off off mic, but. Like, you could so, you, Don Hall, you could so easily be the the victim of failed marriages. You could so oh, yeah. easily be the victim of WBEZ f- fired me or didn't work out or whatever that, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck you it was. Whatever you want to call it, yeah. Because you weren't exactly fired. But yeah, I whatever, would, yeah, yeah. I, would, I didn't have a choice but to leave, but. Yeah, whatever. Technically, I was not fired. Yeah, exactly. It, but yeah, basically, and I got the, I got the boot. You've, but let's, if we just talk about the, the marriages, like you've moved on, healed, learned, and grown from those marriages, right? Yeah, I hope so. But you still will come back to them. And talk about them as lessons learned. It's not like yeah. you've you've gotten over it and totally forgotten about it. And it's like, no, I was married three times. This was a big part of me. And there's probably some. I, I don't want to say it's scar tissue, but if like if you were to take a moment and think oh, about yeah. it, that there's like, you could tap into that pain of something. Alice to be like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's if I tap into it, it's still kind of there and it might sting a bit, but it's fine. Fuck it, whatever. Like I've I've learned and this is and I move well, it's on. The scene- it's the scene from Jaws when they're all three on the boat and they're comparing scars. You just put your hand underneath my cap. You just be a little lump. Knock on all on St. Patty's Day, Boston. I got that beat. I got that beat. Some more eel. Bit right through my wetsuit. Well, nope, no, listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in Loki Bar in San Francisco. You see this? Well, I can't extend that. You know why? Got to the semifinal, celebrating my third wife's demise. Big Chinese fella, he pulled me right off. Bull shark. He scraped me when I was taking samples. I got something for you. That's the thresher. You see that? Chief Thresher's tail. Thresher? This is shark. You want to drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink to our legs. <laughs> 
Yes. And they're talking about where they got their fucking scars. That's what scars are. I mean, not necessarily sit on a boat and compare them with, you know, Quint. Right. But um, scars, first of all, the thing to know about scar tissue is it's stronger than regular tissue. It's knitted more strong. It's like yeah. if your whole body was covered with scar tissue, that's all it was. You're tougher. I mean, it's going to be fucking bulletproof, to, man. You know, kind of like yeah. that's, that's why dead. That's why Deadpool. You know. Anyway, yeah. um, you know. So, but but the thing about it is, until it's scarred, it's a wound, and wounds bleed. Yeah. And if all you do is pick at the wound and never let it scar over, you never get the stronger stuff, right? And I think, you know, looking at this, like, complainers, and the thing, I think there is a difference with people, between people that are complaining about the world yeah, um, and complaining about how hard they have it. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're, those are two very different things, but I think they're, they're, they're interconnected. There's a bridge between well, those and two. Here, here's a literal take on the, on the scar tissue thing. So, I, it, it, I, I, can't, I can't believe I, I forgot about it, but five years ago, on April 2nd, uh, April second, twenty fourteen. I had yeah, uh, skin cancer removed from yeah, my melanoma. face. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't melanoma. It was carcinoma, basal no, no. cell carcinoma. That's carcinoma. That's so, right. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I was never and in, in the story I wrote about it um, for Chicago Health Magazine. I I've said, and I, I said this outside of everything that I I'm not a cancer survivor. Like I won't take that that mantle because my cancer was not going to kill me. Uh, it could have if I left it on. Unchecked yeah, or removed, just, it could have eaten out. It would have destroyed my sinuses. I would have gone blind. It could have gone into my brain. Yeah, like, it probably wouldn't have killed would have, you initially, but it been a slow it would fucking have death. Fucked me up, good. Yeah, and you and I guarantee you, Katie would not have married you because you would have been deformed and gross. Oh no, she would not have. No, um, and I probably would have been a deformed, gross person, but a whole lot happier. What? I'm kidding. See? Okay. I've maintained my... They took my cancer, but they didn't take my sense of humor, Don. All right. So, no, but the... <laughs> I'm fucking not. All right. So, the point is, like, I literally have a scar on my face, and I, I do constantly think about skin cancer and the surgery and that's why i was so surprised that i forgot that it was like the anniversary of it not that i want to be like oh i need to light a candle and uh. but when you did put when you put the video up online as the (laughs) anniversary of your cancer remover i i I did i have to admit you know i love you did you roll your eyes big yeah fucking big ass eye roll i roll so hard that i fell out of a chair i was like oh but here's why i do it i do it because it's the same reason that I wrote the story for Chicago Health Magazine, and I titled it Skin Cancer, A Cautionary Tale. It's not about me. This is about, like, all right, I had this thing happen to me because I was fucking careless and stupid, and, and I lucked out. But, dude, people, learn from me. I got fucking lucky. Just wear some sunscreen and just, like, I'm not saying, like, wear the fucking hats and long sleeve shirts all, everywhere you go. Like, that's fucking stupid. Don't ever not sunbathe. That's ridiculous. But cover that shit up. Here's just just a reminder. You be careful. That's all it is. But I could so easily go. Oh, look at my hideous scar. Look at my. I had cancer. Ugh, I'm gross. Like with. Well, you could go to the moth and like tell that totally. same story yeah. over and over. Yep. You could win every time. Yeah. And it's like that. The whole uh, Carrie Underwood, right? Carrie Underwood, the Jesus take the wheel chick, right? Country I, star, I right? Have yeah. No idea. So apparently, she fell off stage or some shit like she busted her fucking face open uh, like a wow. year or two ago and 
Oh, she was the blonde. Yeah. She, I think she's okay, still blonde. Right. Yeah. From American Idol. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's, okay. Okay. She's like insanely gorgeous. And she fell off stage or something. Like she busted her face open and she had the surgery and she had some stitches. And like she was, it was like, this was a story that she was not being photographed and she wouldn't post anything. And she was, you know, but talking about yeah. it online and like posting like weird pictures like over the shoulder where you couldn't see her face. And like I'm healing and like just this weird, like, when it finally came out that she was like, let's see her face. I like, I ran to the, uh, uh, you know, the Walgreens to see like Us Weekly or whatever it was. To see like, what is yeah. her face? Because I'm expecting some fucking wretched shit. You're expecting a giant organ to play. Bum, 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 yes, bum, 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 yes. bum, bum, yeah. bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And then she takes off her half mask and she's hideous. Yeah, there's, there's nothing there. And it kind of annoyed me because, like, like, look, dude, I've had my fucking face dug out. Like, I get it. Like, Carrie, girl, I get it. <laughs> I've had my face dug out. I get it out. because I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen to my face. I did not know what I was, if I was going to have, like, move into my eye after they, like, pieced me back. I seriously didn't. Like, I was concerned. Like, well, I mean, this is what it is. But, you know, luckily, I still look basically the same. But, like, what the lady, oh, poor you. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up complaining about how, you know, your face is ruined. There are people whose faces are actually fucking ruined because of horrible accidents or disease or something. You fucking complaining victim asshole. Get you know, the I fuck just, out of here. You just, this is the thing. And I've realized that this is what, because I, I don't, I, I'm not a big get out on the streets with a sign protester. Right. But you know what I think I'm going to start doing? I had an experience uh, the other day. I was at the DMV in, in Henderson getting my uh, Nevada plates. Had to do it. I was there like six hours. Yeah. And sitting outside were this group of people that were trying to get people to sign a petition to support a midterm abortion ban, which, of course, I'm not going to fucking sign. And I, every time I came out to smoke my pipe, they would, would you care to sign a petition? <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Can you, I mean, I understand there's hundreds of people here, but I've been out here like six times, so c- could you just recognize me now? No, were you, were you changing so, but, outfits? Were you putting on fake mustaches, things like I that? I was to, not. Oh, I was just going out okay. with my fucking... I'm, and I'm probably the only guy that doesn't look like he's 90 years old smoking a fucking pipe anywhere. So These fucking pro-lifers don't pay attention to the living. That's the problem. Like the second time, <laughs> it was like the first time I went out there, I just brushed them off. I, yeah. just, I just walked by. But then the second time, I just looked, I looked the woman right in the eye and said, Thanos was right <laughs> and then went and smoked my pipe and then the next time I looked at the guy I said Thanos was right and walked they had no idea what the fuck I was talking about they don't watch but fucking I think, movies either read comics. they don't watch yeah. yeah but this is what I I'm gonna start I think <laughs> you gave me my slogan my science slogan yeah um, and it's because I've read this article about complaining is like secondhand smoke it's worse for your yeah. health and all this kind of shit you just gave it to me. Okay. So I'm going to start showing up to every protest. And it doesn't matter if it's a protest on the right or a protest on the left. Yeah. I'm just going to show up with a great big cardboard sign that says, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And just stand there and face them. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Like, I... <sighs> and maybe I'll put a picture of Carrie Underwood, but mostly it's just because they shut the fuck up. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing uh, is a watch. Uh, back on air, finally. Uh, 
the the seventh season, I think. But the final, anyway, final season of Veep on HBO okay. is here, uh, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus and a host of other brilliant actors. It's such a fucking good show. Um, there was a pause because Julia Louis-Dreyfus had the breast cancer. She had a you know, yep. go treatment for that. I know treatment for that. Um, but I just watched the first episode of the new season, and it, yeah, man, it's fucking back strong. So watch that fucking show because it's it's brilliant. Rock and roll. My first is a read. It is a medium article because uh, I do read medium. Um, it is the it's entitled "The 20th Anniversary of Fight Club and the Matrix: Two Futures <laughs> All Around Us in 2019" by Barry Vocker. He wrote a book about this shit. Wait, so the, the, somebody wrote a book about the first topic of this podcast? Yeah. Why are we doing this podcast? What the fuck's the, let's just do six things every week and just be like, here's a three minute podcast. Because I wanted to talk about no, the thing about it is this this isn't the book, it's an article. Um and I read the article and I went I mean that's kind of what yeah. knocked because I didn't yeah. I didn't I went, holy shit. Combined with something else, another one of my, my six things. It's like I went, Oh my god, this is crazy. What's so, what, what's that what's the headline? What's the headline? It's called the twentieth anniversary of Fight Club and the Matrix. Two Futures All Around Us in 2019. It's by Barry Vacker. I said Vacker. Barry Vacker. V-A-C-K-E-R. That is a fucking long-ass headline. My kind of title. Did you know it's my kind of title? I love them long like that. Barry V-A-C-K-E-R. Okay. Cool. All right. um, A lot of theories. My next thing is a... uh, It's also a watch. Uh, Watch Barry... Oh yeah, Showtime? yes, yes. I think it's on Showtime. Um, uh, Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a hitman, it is funny. It is dark, and the the first episode of the second season just aired last Sunday, and I watched it this week. And uh, yeah, there's a moment. Uh, it's just ah, oh, fuck it. No, just it's a it's a great show. Uh, so watch it. Yeah, okay, watch sorry, Barry. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Um, my second thing is a movie that made me think of. Uh, the Plato's Cave thing. It, it, it is one of the least popular movies. And, and the only re- honestly, the only reason I watched this movie, the only reason I went and saw this movie in the theater was because everybody hated it so much. Mm. I mean, I've never heard so many people talk about, it's Matthew McConaughey, it's uh, Anne Hathaway, you know, it's, I mean, it's, set in a boat and it's in the like the Florida Key kind of thing it's called Serenity it's not the Firefly <laughs> movie it's called Serenity I'm telling you I fucking love this movie it's now I've never off. heard of this thing yeah I know it's it, well it got buried because it's sort of an independent film but it's got name stars um, Diane Lane's in it. I mean, it's a you know, it's sort of a, yeah. a, a film. It's sort of like a, a, a Florida noir kind of thing. Oh, okay. The setup. The setup is basically Matthew McConaughey owns a boat. He's a tuna fisherman. He's kind of obsessed with catching this one gigantic tuna, and he's kind of going bankrupt because he can't let it go. It's like Moby and Dick. His yeah. Well, then his wife shows or his ex wife from long ago, Anne Hathaway, super hot, shows up and says. My husband's an abusive shit ass, and he's terrible to your child, who you haven't seen in forever, and I'll give you $10 million if you take him out on the boat and kill him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a classic Florida noir. Um, Moby Dick meets Indecent Proposal. Yeah. Well, well, the thing about it is, 
there's a there's a twist in the third act that fucking changes all of it. I mean, like think of how much how how people hated the ending of Hereditary. Uh-huh. Like you're on one track and then all of a sudden uh-huh. it just says, "Oh, yeah. here's what's really going on." Yeah. This one does it like in the third act and it's just like, "What the fuck?" and it was brilliant. Everybody hates it. Everybody hates this movie. Hmm. It has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a 30% approval rate on audience. I still loved this movie. I think you should watch it. And it's in theaters now. It is in theaters now. Okay. All right. I'll I'll give it a go. I'm I'm surprised. I mean, not that I'm like, how have I not heard of this movie? I know of every movie ever. But yeah, I've never even fucking heard of it. Um, nope, I'd read a, I didn't read any reviews for, about it before. It was why I'm trying not to spoil anything. And I wrote a piece about it for t- today, but uh, uh, I didn't spoil anything because it, it just was. I was looking for the twist the whole time because I'd read there was this twist that alienated everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was enjoying the film. I mean, I liked the performances. I liked the script. It was like interesting. It was. I mean, I've seen that fucking show a million times. I've yeah. fucking hard bitten dude in Florida and his wife gives good. Ah, we've heard that story. Right. But this twist, I'm looking for where it's coming. Did not see it coming. When it happened, I went, oh, that's fucking awesome. Hmm. That's almost that's almost like Truman Show cool. So Okay. All right. So <laughs> yeah. my my third to do, it's it's also a watch, but I struggled with making this a thing because I don't really recommend it. Uh oh. But it's it's like a it's a watch with a report back. Okay. Uh, watch Dumbo, the the Tim Burton. I have new Dumbo. Um, I have. I quick review. I, I, I look. I I laughed at certain points. I cried at turd. certain points. But it fucking it's sucked. It's a turd. <laughs> it sucked. Uh, but go ahead and watch it because it's Dumbo. Uh, oh, don't pay money to watch it. <sighs> All right, so can I just can I rescind that? And just say don't watch. Here's your due this week: is don't watch Dumbo. Don't bother with it. Don't take your kids to see it. Find the fucking no. di- original go Disney wa- and watch. Go the cartoon. watch the 1961 version of Dumbo. 41. And 1941. You, 41. You're right. Yeah. Dumbo. D- get cause... past the crows. That bullshit. Just shut the fuck up. Move on. Yeah. Uh, well, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Watching. I don't know what the guy's name is, but the Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy. Yeah. Him saying, you've seen a dragonfly, you've I, seen a horsefly, please don't say it. you've even seen a needle that winked its eye. Don't. You know, it's like... Let's no, get no, no. ready for Dumbo. I know. It's, it's just, there's Fuck so you. many things that don't work in this movie that the, I, the, I, don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. I could... I could take my 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 paper calendar from 2018 that I've yet to throw away or recycle whatever. That thing would have more purpose and yeah. and personality than the kids cast. I was writing I was writing an listicle for the ape called the 10 reasons Dumbo sucks shit. I just got rid of it cuz there were too many reasons. <laughs> I I I I I, I could limit it to 10. The worst. It was and I uh yeah. We should. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should talk about that, like on another episode, because I I'm still unnerved by how because ba- it's Tim Burton, and I get it. It can't be yeah, creepy Tim, Tim Burton because Burton. it was PG, so he had to like untim yeah, Burton himself. Yeah, but there was himself. no crazy wigs. 
He's in a right. circus and there's no crazy wigs. Right. There's no wacky furniture. There's no crazy music. And I was expecting terrible. the whole like opening credits has Danny DeVito as two people. And you're like, like anything. Danny DeVito's going to play two weird characters. But no, they quickly go like, oh yeah, my brother died with, from the flu that hit us. So like this weird like throwaway thing. Like, wait, it's what It's just the a terrible. Fuck? It's just, it's just terrible. Awful. All right. Awful. The original is way better. All right. Uh, my final thing is also a watch. And this, I, I think, I don't know if you've seen this. I, somebody, I think Don Smith actually recommended this to me. And I finally got around to watching it. It's called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. It's on uh, Netflix. Okay. This is uh, about Orson Welles' final movie that never got made called The Other Side of the Wind. Man, is this one fucking great documentary. Okay. Because it's all, it's Orson Welles, the huge fat guy, you know, it's like, it's him with John Huston. He casts John Huston as himself in a movie about Hollywood Hmm. when he comes back to Hollywood. And then um, the storyline is supposed to be uh, that there's this aging, uh, betrayed auteur who's basically Orson Welles, but he's played by John Huston, which they're best friends. And then he's betrayed by a younger up-and-coming director who is basically based on Peter Bogdanovich. (laughs) He he originally hires, I swear to God, he originally (laughs) hires Rich, Rich Little to play that character. Rich Little can't stand it, leaves. Peter Bogdanovich comes in and then plays himself in the role that is based on him. Oh my this god! This fucking this fucking movie. This, I'm telling you, this is the it's it is it is it's it's Terry Gilliam good. It is just like okay, wow, okay, and and I was compl- I mean, I was stuck from beginning to end of like I can't believe it because it's all like shots of them doing. There's one scene where he decides he he basically is trying to create sort of a movie within a movie. And the movie inside the movie is him making fun of European movies, <laughs> and which is, you know, and it's really beautiful yeah. and it looks really good. But it's basically about a guy walking and following a woman. That's the whole movie. And then he fucks her in a car. But <laughs> then the other movie that it's in, the framing movie, he's making it as a documentary. So there's no script. You know, because nobody been doing, nobody did documentary movies. He invented the documentary movie yeah. that never got made. But one of the best moments is, I swear to God, this is so funny. He's filming parties. It's all parties, and he wanted real directors of the day. And part of it is because he wanted them to think he was cool, because huh. it was all young directors. Yeah. Um, and the other part of it is he wanted to have them in there. So you've got this scene where Dennis Hopper, who is just fresh off of Easy Rider, yeah. Is just stoned out of his fucking mind. Dennis Hopper was a fucking lunatic in the 60s. Oh my God. And he's <laughs> arguing about cinema with Orson Welles, but Orson Welles is off camera because he's not playing the older director. He's being the voice of the younger director because he hasn't cast it yet. So you've got the scene where Dennis Hopper is just out of his mind arguing with Orson Welles off camera. Uh, it's just uncanny. I just is I Orson is Orson Welles drunk on Paul Masson wine? No, he didn't. He, he uh, no. Was that he before was, the he, Paul Masson? Uh, 
His his big thing, his big thing was he he liked champagne, but his real big thing was he had to have fudge sickles. He had to fucking fudge sickles everywhere. I get that because those are fucking delicious. They're great. So yeah. they'll love me when I'm dead. All right. Well, this tells you. I, actually, I just want to tell you one of the best. This starts the film is you you see this. They'll love me when I'm dead, and you hear a guy say when Orson Welles said they he said they'd love me when I'm dead, and then you hear a woman go, he never fucking said that. <laughs> He never said that. No, he did. No, he never said those words. And then it starts the movie. And that kind of sets it up. Is, is this real or not? But it's all kind of documentary footage of this, him trying to make this fucking movie. It's brilliant. Now, is it, is it, a, long, is it a long film or can I bang that thing out tonight before I fall asleep? You can watch it tonight. It's okay. like an hour and a half. Oh, perfect. It's like an hour and a half. Right. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Love Me When I'm Dead, it's on Netflix. A quick side note and... Maybe this doesn't make the cut in the final episode. Uh, yeah, maybe. And I know Dana hates, producer Dana hates it when we do this, but so you mentioned John Hewson and one of the, one of the, the, my to-dos was going to be uh, watch the movie Annie. John Hewson's he directed it. Yes. 1982. Yes, uh, so that was, Albert I was. Finney. I, Albert Finney. as, as Andrew Oliver Warbucks, um, Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan. Yeah. And she's yep. fucking brilliant. She's really good. Oh yeah. my god! I was I thought she, she had been nominated or won the Oscar for that character, but she was only nominated for a Golden Globe. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so this morning, Katie had the TV on and was like playing with Harry, like there was something going on. And I sat down to fold some laundry really quickly before I I got to work. While I was eating my quick breakfast, and I just was browsing through the channels because I I still have cable and pay way too fucking much for because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and Annie was on. I'm like, oh. Fucking Annie, I love this movie. And I, I, so I was looking it up later. I'm like, ah, oh, what was Annie? Like, what, what was the reviews on Annie? Because it was 1982. I was th- yeah. three when that movie came out. Did you watch it? Like, how old were you in 82? Did you watch it? In 82, I was a sophomore in high school. Of course I watched it. Did you like it? Yeah. Apparently, it was not a well-received movie by the critics. Well, haven't you figured out that I almost always like things just... Because nobody else likes sure, it. Sure, but I'm wondering, like, why? Like, it's Albert Finney, it's John Hewson, it's Carol Burnett at arguably her best outside of her TV show. Do you want to really know why? Because it's fucking Annie. <laughs> I mean, the I'll- sun will come out. Da, da, da. Yeah, I, I, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter. I mean, and I, you know, watch it. You could. Dress up a turd like Annie, Tim Burton directing Dumbo. That's all I got to say. Okay. I still fucking love that movie. Dumbo? Anyway. That's the show. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs> <laughs>